Hey everybody, this is Eric Peterson. And CJ. Um, fortunately, we had a lot of content for the C episode. So enjoy part one. Welcome back to The Mouthful. This is the podcast where we talk about food that we just ate and a topic which relates to the letter of the food that we just ate. My name is Eric Peterson. And I'm CJ. Joining us today is Jason Jackson. Hey, Pastor everybody. Jason Jackson. Pas- oh, yes. my bad. <laughs> it's okay. The title's Pastor. not necessary. <laughs> it's it's not important. Sir to, Pastor. Uh, it's not a Jason name tag Jackson. you wear. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sir Pastor? He's a knight He's now? a knight. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Sir. Dr. Pastor Sir. Pastor pa- Jason Jackson. This is going really the downhill. Enlightened. Yeah. You just keep getting more titles yeah. the longer I'm here. It's like is, Rocky Balboa. Yeah. <laughs> never gonna end here. yes so welcome uh this episode is the letter c brought to you by the letter c <laughs> are um, we doing the sesame street thing yeah kind of oh, okay cool. i thought that was our thing yeah I mean, um not really. so yeah this episode is on chipotle the spice definitely how did you enjoy the dish i prepared <laughs> oh my gosh pastor jason jackson it's pretty unbelievable yeah. yeah yeah it's like nothing i've ever tasted before it tasted the exactly flavors to me though yes it tasted exactly like a chipotle bowl Really? From Chipotle. Oh, my gosh. Did yeah. you taste any Chipotle spice in it? None. None. <laughs> None whatsoever. whatsoever. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, guys. Very subtle. Uh, we actually <laughs> completely failed this episode. <laughs> uh, I guess that's the end. Thanks. Did we fail yeah, or did I we was, succeed? I was, I was promised like this whole spread of... <laughs> we actually did promise yeah. him. <laughs> like and it just so happened. Gourmet cheese. We said, come here yeah. for a meal. You're going to enjoy it. You're going to talk about really cool stuff that you know things oh about cheeses from around the world that i could never afford to purchase like yeah. that's what i was Bulgaria, <laughs> china Bulgarian. antarctica Wait, china? just the best cheeses oh my gosh yeah anyway um, i'm so sorry <laughs> that we could not home of the ice not, wine well to be fair it is actually quite difficult <laughs> to book a pastor <laughs> It is really difficult. It is really difficult. You that's, guys are that's so my, that's busy. My bad. <laughs> so, that's my bad. So I'm sitting. So uh, moment of moment of transparency here. So I'm sitting in my bed at about ten thirty at night, and I and I have this little light bulb that goes off in my head, ding. and I'm like, oh, and I text CJ, and I'm like, yo, um, did we say tomorrow for Jason? And I was like, or the next week? Oh. Really hoping for that next week answer, and he was just like, no, nope. it's tomorrow. Uh, we, and we didn't send him the questions a week in advance, yep. which we usually do. Yep. Uh, so oh, also he's on a fun. super tight schedule because you know he has like a family and we're and I knew in my head yeah 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 single. we're just schlepping <laughs> over time. here yeah, yeah. <laughs> no kids we're like oh my gosh oh, we're never no. gonna get him for like a year so oh, gosh. we gotta we gotta get him in so, so thank you thank you yeah oh it's really my pleasure to be here with you guys <laughs> but we did get sorry Chipotle. that it was hard to get the schedule going <laughs> okay. the... you gave us more dates yeah. than I was anticipating I had a lot of time during I thought the you were day gonna be like. You guys have like other jobs. <laughs> I got like a June 2021 oh if you want to do that. Uh, is that too late for the podcast? But I was expecting that fully. But, uh, yeah. but yes, thank you for uh, thank you for joining us for Chipotle dinner. Uh, we always have a fun fact. Fun fact, Chipotle was found in Denver. Did you guys okay, know that? you're talking about the restaurant. Yes, right. okay. sorry. No, there was no cooking involved. Dear dear four listeners. Somebody cooked. The, yes, wasn't someone. anyone at this table. Uh, what did they call them at Subway? The uh, the uh, sandwich artists? Uh, so at Chipotle, it would be the Chipotle artists, the bowl, the burrito artists. Does your fun facts tell us anything? Um, yes, so the fun fact is, uh, so for those of you who aren't our friends and aren't from Colorado and are potentially listening to this podcast uh (laughs) chipotle was founded in denver colorado july 13th 1993 that is that long ago that is really long ago I don't yeah, you're thinking back to yeah. like, I don't think I had Chipotle <laughs> yeah. like 2000 until 2006. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was going to say, man, I was in high school at the time. Oh, <laughs> right, right. No, that's when I was in high school. Yeah. <laughs> right. In small town, rural Iowa, so clearly we weren't having Chipotle there. No, no. Just the top of the line <laughs> Mexican food oh coming out gosh. of Iowa. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> when, when did Chipotle come to uh, Iowa? I don't know. Huh? He, to this day, he has no I idea. Mean, I, 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 it's do they not, even I mean, have Chipotle? Well, not in my hometown. Oh, well. have to, I'm trying to think where the closest one. I don't even know. Probably Chicago. It was definitely it was no, definitely in my hometown. <laughs> it was like in Naperville. We got uh, like when I was in high school. That's when Chipotle started getting like really huge. Nice. 
there was like this challenge where like you had to eat the burrito without any of it falling in your bowl. Ooh. Um, not even a grain of rice. And if you did what? that, then it was like, yeah. This is a personal I get challenge. No prize. Yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I right. feel disgusting. When you're in high school, these personal prizes, these personal challenges are life and death. Especially so. in the Midwest. Yeah. <laughs> like, how can we make this more interesting? Oh, my gosh. You want to go to the cornfield again? Yeah. No, too relatable. Like too relatable. <laughs> On an interesting note, Qdoba like the arch nemesis of Chipotle was also founded in Denver, but in 1995. So they were the copycat. Copycat. I mean, was, it, was, it, was it like a split? I don't know. Honestly, the church split. We are starting the our church of Chipotle. <laughs> and the church of casual, casual fast restaurant splits. <laughs> yeah. Did those happen? I'm done with this Chipotle. I'm starting my own deal. <laughs> Guys, we do different chicken. We're starting a new one, and it's just going to be downtown. And so. the queso is going to be free. <laughs> yes. And we're going to be free able to mix queso. your bowl for you instead of having all the beans on uh, one side, all the rice on the other oh side. Oh, I hate uh, that so much. So much truth. Wait, do all right. We, do, we know what, do we know what Kidoba means? Uh, no, it's actually, I think, a made-up word. I'm almost certain of that. It's a made-up word. So, like, the guy split off from a company that had a pepper <laughs> as its motto or a logo and was just like, we need something that sounds Spanish but is not Spanish. I, you're actually 100% on the nose. No! I'm reading from Quora, the oh, place where no. you get all the internet answers. Qdoba is a made-up name for a Mexican chain restaurant. The name was invented in 1999 by an ad agency. Uh, so they just tried to come up with a Mexican sounding name. This doesn't. Yeah, you're you're look you're you're. Yeah. Didn't they start in you're, you're clicking with me. Well, yeah, they, well, they <laughs> the probably, math isn't they right here. They probably called it something else before that. It was probably called like okay. Mexican eatery. <laughs> Or Chipotle version <laughs> two. I don't know. We have no evidence that somebody funny. split off from Chipotle no, and started Kenobi, no by idea. the way. We're making yeah, up origin stories. Are, yes. Yeah, I think yeah. it's the funner version. It is. Yeah. It is definitely the funner out. version. Yeah. So quick census. Yeah. Are y'all a Kidoba kind of family or a Chipotle kind of family? Kidoba. Uh, Sarah and I would be Chipotle, but the kids are Kidoba. What? How does that work? We go to Kidoba. <laughs> and you love their queso. You have to be Kidoba. I am totally Kidoba. Okay. I love their chips and queso. Do you want to know why I'm a Kidoba fan? Why? Because do you remember when Chipotle, everyone got really scared at Chipotle because they had that E. coli oh, outbreak? Oh, yeah. yeah. I got E. coli. <gasps> no. I did. I did. You for got real. food poisoning from Chipotle? For real. For no, real. From McDonald's. But he just <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. It was, that's really It was happened. unrelated. Yeah. <laughs> um, no. Yeah. So I, I remember it was so specific. I was working in construction at the time and we went to Chipotle for lunch and, and um, I had pretty bland food uh, the few days leading up to that. And this was just like the first time we went out for fast food. And uh, we got, I got like a pork burrito and pork was the kind of meat that was apparently related to the outbreak. And um, that same day uh, or, or next day, I couldn't remember how close it was, but um, I started having intense intestinal pain. Ooh, um, And I've had this one other time and it was something called like gastroenteritis or something. And I looked up the symptoms of gastroenteritis versus uh, E. coli. E. coli. And I won't say on the podcast what the clear yep. <laughs> line between those two is, but I did not have gastroenteritis. <laughs> yeah, I had a coli. Oh no, it was bad. Yeah, and uh, I man, I didn't eat it for I want to say five or six years after that. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Ooh. It took until a long t- until time. tonight. Yep, tonight. No, I wish I could say that. <laughs> I've had uh, it a few times where like I'd eat the. I think my first few times going back, I had like the nacho chips. And then uh, I had okay. like a quesadilla. Kind of, I had some like safe up. food. Yeah. yeah, and then, yeah, I was like, surely we There's, haven't had an outbreak. See, in, in my kid, in my kid's mind, uh-huh. Mexican food has to include ground beef. What? Mm. So at Chipotle, yeah. like oh. you make it home. Yeah, okay. it's yeah, yeah. like that's what what chi- they have. That, yeah. yeah, that's what like Mexican food would be in their mm-hmm. mind. So uh-huh. they don't have that at Chipotle. Oh no! So it's like clearly this is <laughs> oh, wrong. No. <laughs> Um, you don't Hence understand. Kidoba. You have no I need you to find me some ground beef <laughs> right now. You uncultured <laughs> swine. My children are going to freak out. <laughs> so Chipotle, if you're listening, do you want the family back? <laughs> Get some ground beef. Okay, you know. this is the problem, though. What? At, at Cadoba, oh, I've had such bad luck. So at the Cadoba, I got a burrito, and I bit down, and I felt like I broke my tooth. <gasps> and I spit out, you know those like mechanical pencils? Yeah. Like those really cheap ones? Yeah, uh-huh. 
do you remember like the the the, the clip that will like yeah. clip into like Wait, your, you found, your pocket or something like that, that and it snaps off really easily? Yes. Yeah. That was in my burrito. Okay. No. All right. I'm not Hold kidding. On. I'm not kidding. Okay. So in this case. I feel like my tooth snapped in half. You're I'm never going to a restaurant <laughs> with you. <laughs> you're contending with E. coli from Chipotle. Yeah. Or a plastic part mm-hmm. in your Kidoba. And I so. gave it to them and they're like, thank you. And they like walked away. <laughs> and I was like, oh, no. Don't do this because <laughs> you're gonna regret it. This was, this don't walk not, away from this me. This is not a gift. <laughs> don't walk. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, so I, 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 I was missing that piece. I'm gonna try to oh, super glue it back onto my mechanical pencil. Man, I couldn't I clip it to that. my shirt pocket. Whoa. So I mailed them and I got like three free burritos. That Th- was it. That's it. Yeah. Not a year. You I was, could have choked I was and expecting died for, yeah. your broken, for your broken tooth. Oh, That's what your broken mm. tooth is worth. Yeah. Apparently. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, I I will say that. My contention with Qdoba is they just don't have corn salsa. So mm, mm. But like you don't process corn, corn very well as a human being. So. No, but I do process good food. And I don't mean you specifically. I mean like uh, all okay. human beings. Yeah, I was going to say I don't really process a lot of foods <laughs> like dairy or alcohol and common, gluten though. and alcohol, apparently plastic Asian, parts. So. Too, <laughs> yeah, so. and big <laughs> mechanical <laughs> pencil parts. Yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> My teeth don't like it. Oh, jeez. Nor do my small intestines. (laughs) Anyway, speaking about body parts, uh, we're going to lead into our topic, which uh, was a really smooth transition. So the body of Christ here, which is the church. One of our better ones. There you go. One. I mean, listen listen to our previous episodes. I didn't. uh, I didn't come up with that until literally just now. So I mean, it was flawless. My bad on the back. I mean, probably, probably not the most enticing way to make that transition but <laughs> no not at all <laughs> no. but it worked it works you do Good so job. uh so the reason why we have pastor jason jackson sir mm-hmm. sir pastor nope, don't do that again nope, okay nope, that's a that joke. joke's over <laughs> yep i think it i think it fits within his comedic tastes though but i thought you were going to do every one that you mentioned before and yeah there were like six of them oh geez all right yeah. I, w- I won't do it i'm sorry listeners so um pastor so yeah, jason, pastor jackson. jason jackson uh yeah so what what is your experience of the church in general i mean we don't have to go too deep into like you know the entire history of church we'll do that later but what is, what is your experience <laughs> that'll, that'll be like a five minute <laughs> that'll be a side later. note yeah, that we'll, we do yeah, yeah. to cover a couple thousand if you years pay ten dollars to our patreon you can get the extended <laughs> version of this podcast where it takes us four days <laughs> <laughs> we unpack the hebrew yeah. too <laughs> oh god that's All too right. much anyways yeah, church uh, for me was sort of like growing up was a very, you know, sort of distant part of my family's life. We were a small town farming community in northern Iowa where everybody sort of had a church that mm, they... But no Chipotle. That they, <laughs> no Chipotle. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a Hardee's at one point. Oh, that was the Hardee's. Yeah, that was our fast food chain oh, for boy. Uh, all growing up. The one, because we were on a highway. Yeah. Yeah. So we had the, oh. you know, the old star. Yeah. Well, not Was that like the contender for McDonald's? Yeah, I mean, it was it just... It was the, the McDonald's. That was it, it was. I mean, that was McDonald's. it. That was the only <laughs> oh, was fast food only restaurant fast. in the county. That's so strange. Oh, I don't gosh. think there was another one. Well, Dairy Queen, I guess, was there for oh, a little okay. while, but Dairy yeah. Queen had gone out, Hardy's had come, you know, it was that, <laughs> yeah. kind of, yeah. that kind of space. There's a subway there now. I mean, they're oh. booming, oh, my you know, 3,000 people, so they're cruising. So kind of hard to relate to. They are crushing it. <laughs> <laughs> one fast food restaurant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, a couple towns away, they had other things. So church was sort of a tangential part of our family's life it was something that i think my mom felt pretty passionate about but didn't really translate into the rest of family life so it was a it was a building it was a place that we went to periodically um you know it was kind of the site of vbs and sunday school and those kinds of things but um it also it, it felt so um not only distant in terms of uh, our life, it didn't ac- actually have much of an impact oh, in okay. terms of hmm. uh, my family was at what best could be called nominally Christian. Like they identified themselves oh. as Christians, like Americans and Iowans and Vikings fans. Like that's kind of <laughs> whoa. <laughs> and I think the Vikings made a bigger impact on our yeah. family culture. We're than, a Viking family. <laughs> yeah. It was a much bigger deal than mm-hmm. church. Mm-hmm. And so it, it felt a little bit 
um, irrelevant to everything else that was going. It's like we we showed up as some sort of religious or social obligation. Mm-hmm. Sure. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. then afterwards, we didn't talk about Jesus. We didn't pray at home. There wasn't like family practices that were centered around what it, you know, centered around Christ and his life. It sure. was just something that we socially did, just like everybody else in my town, at least my understanding at the time, mm-hmm. something that they went to. Yeah. Was my understanding of church until I became a Christian. Okay. So I um, became a father of Christ, like after my sophomore year in high school, started going to church. Was that regu- 16? Yeah, 16. Yeah. Okay. And then started regularly going to a church in a couple towns away uh, at the end of my junior year. Okay. So th- at that point, all of a sudden, church began to transform for me yeah. into something very different than what I had experienced before. Now it became not just this place, but these people. Um. And when I showed up, this was me walking into a place that was safe and loving and exciting and transformative. Gotcha. And I remember adults there who were deeply in love with Jesus and who loved me and saw me as this, you know, kind of messy, broken teenager. Uh, And it was transformative. I mean, church at that point became a real sense of, a reconciled gospeling community of people and it changed my life and the trajectory of my life. It was at that point kind of having experienced life in that church that I began to now think about, well, maybe God's calling me into ministry Mm. and then began thinking about pastoral ministry. And then that kind of took off. So by the time I was 19, just a few years later, years later, I became a youth pastor at 19 and 19. That's amazing. Um, so started leading the youth ministries at this church wow. plant. And now I've been in like vocational ministry mm-hmm. for over 20 years. Hmm. So my, my experience with the church then has been kind of really shaped by that, now experience. that experience of I've been hmm. in ministry in church, like vocationally employed by the church longer mm-hmm. than I was ever really <laughs> <laughs> like just a, a congregate participant yeah. in the church, at least on a, a, a faithful sort of level. And would you say like you're, um, when you were 19, that, that whole experience was very formative in you being like, well, I'm actually pretty good at this. Well, I don't know if I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I, think it I think it was just more like for me, the, the more that I think about the church, the church to me is, uh, you know, thinking about through historical, theological, whatever sort of lenses we want to think about it. The church to me is, one of God's most brilliant ideas. And when I come back to thinking about anything, I keep coming back to the church and the role that the church can play, mm-hmm. what it is that God has called the church to be. Right. And so that's been the continual callback is like, no, I believe in the idea of the church. I believe what the church is. I believe mm-hmm. in what the church is called to be. I believe what God's doing in the church and through the church And that has been the transformative thing for me. So like being a part of that has been a huge thing of my whole, my, you know, our whole family life is centered around Hmm. um, this idea, what it means to be the church and how do we live out that calling in the world? So that's, that's interesting. um, Mostly because my family grew up in a very non-spiritual, non-Christian, non-anything kind of, um, uh, paradigm. And I would say for a lot of people in America and probably a lot of people in the world, when they hear church, they think of a cathedral mm-hmm. or this huge, awesome place with stainless glass and all these people go there on Sunday. So how do you explain what church is to someone who has never been to or experienced church or Christianity or anything of that sort? Yeah, it's so hard because yeah. I think it's it's such a unique kind of idea, right. like even to be able to explain what it is. I mean, they almost, like you said, most people think of church and they think of a place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And there is an importance to place. And I think buildings and places and those things matter yep. um, because place matters. I mean, the scriptures clearly indicate that place matters. Mm-hmm. Yep. I mean, even when we think about the idea of kingdom, mm-hmm. kingdom, if we're to define it in as most kind of simple, simple way, is to think about the idea of a ruler, the idea of a place, mm. the idea of people, yeah. and the idea of some sort of law, some sort of ethic mm-hmm. upon which they center their lives. So a simple definition of the, of the kingdom would be like God's people living in God's 
place under God's rule and in God's presence. Okay. So there's a sense like place significantly matters. There's a place that people gather together. But if we start thinking about place without thinking about people and not thinking about presence Mm. and not thinking about the way in which then life sort of gets oriented around Mm. the Mm. king and his kingdom, we've suddenly kind of missed out on something. So to talk about church, you have to talk to this idea of, a gathered group of people mm-hmm. like yes they're gathered together in a place at times but they're gathered as well as they're scattered there's this yeah. sort of bringing together and sending out even church services reflect that we have a gathering together into worship and then ascending back out yeah. into our lives to carry out the mission of god to you know to participate in his in breaking kingdom so there's people that are gathered in a place but we're gathered together by the presence of God right. to experience the presence of God, to be gathered to the king, to gather to the king's table in order to learn from him. Uh, you know, that there's a discipleship sort of aspect. So uh, the sense of that we're gathered together to be with Jesus, mm-hmm. to learn from Jesus, how to live like Jesus is mm-hmm. how Dallas Willard kind of described uh, discipleship. So trying to explain that to somebody who's <laughs> who's never you know, been to church before, I think, you know, you kind of start like, well, there's people that gather together and then they (laughs) sing songs and then somebody talks and then like we engage in rituals and then we leave. Like, what are you talking about (laughs) in that place? So I think it's hard to explain at that point because it's really, it's not, um, when we, when we start explaining the church that way, we start making the church something that you attend. Yes, that mm. this like is school. Yes, yeah. it, it's like describing what's it like to be at school. What's it like to go to the movie theater? Right. Well, you walk in and you buy a ticket, and then you go to the concession <laughs> stand. You get some popcorn, and then you go sit down, and you watch this movie, and then you talk mm-hmm. to the person next to you, and then you leave. Like we start talking about it in that way, yeah. rather than saying, oh. "No, the church is a people that I'm a part of. Yeah. It's a family mm-hmm. that I'm a part of." And if you want to know what family life is like, mm-hmm. you got to come experience it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here are some of the things that we do when the whole family is together. Mm-hmm. It's like describing a family reunion. Yeah. You know, yeah. kind of at that point. That's an interesting is, perspective. Is yeah. what we're trying to describe the Sunday morning part, but that's just one part right. of what mm-hmm. it means to be the church. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Have you seen Thor Ragnarok? Ragnarok's the third So one. I did see it on Netflix eventually, but not like a close watching. I put it on while I was cleaning. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, there's a line where he's talking to Odin and he's like, Thor. Asgard is not a place, it's a people. Yeah. And we were just watching it yesterday, so it's fresh in my mind. I'm like, oh, <laughs> that's exactly what he was talking about. Yeah, <laughs> it is. I mean, the, the place stuff still matters. Yeah, the place still matters. Like, Asgard gave him his power, mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's the people that inhabited Asgard that made it Asgard. Yeah. 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 That's a good I point, thought, CJ. Yeah, I just thought that the was... pop culture point. Yeah, yeah good, good connection there. Yeah. Also, just... YTT is such a great director. He is. Uh, he is. Shout out. <laughs> shout out. Shout in out. case he's listening. In case you're listening. In case right. you're listening, uh, there will be an upcoming episode on back? film in a yeah. couple <laughs> weeks. <laughs> right. yeah. No, so is this is is it kind of uh, so as you were talking, it, it kind of made me think. So is this kind of the idea where like there is importance in people kind of coming together. So the idea that you can do church outside of a church building and it's still kind of considered church versus like Maybe yeah. it's not. Yeah, I think that's that's one of the unique challenges, I think, kind of even trying to work through a definition because that's a really popular sort of idea now is yeah, to yeah. say like... It's a Baptist. Yeah, well, or it's, you know, like church can be me watching on a screen mm-hmm. and, oh. you know, sort of like streaming or church can be, you know, my three buddies uh, on a camping trip kind of out doing, you know, sure. kind of, mm-hmm. and we're, we're having church yeah. at the campsite. This could be church. Yeah. And, and <laughs> I would say, I would say I, that I think can be a distinctively Christian gathering. Okay. I'm, I don't think I would call it church. Hmm. And I think difference being, the, I think the difference being several things is that first of all, when we look at the scriptural kind of ideas around the church, you mm-hmm. get this, um, this idea of this group, this group of people who would not be together if it were not for Jesus. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. And so this is why you get all the definitions of, um, or all these distinctions being made about the gathering of being both Jew and Greek, slave and free, 
male and female, that whenever they're talking about the church in the New Testament, they're talking about all these people who would not be together if it weren't for Jesus. And so I think when we get into these places where it's like, oh, church is the five people who are the closest to me, who look like me and talk like me and mm-hmm. think like me. <laughs> I don't think that's the church yeah, at that okay. point yeah. because mm-hmm. y- that group could be getting together for any other reason. Now they right. may yeah. be getting together simply because of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And that, that I think is a sense like wherever two or three are gathered there, I am in the midst of them. So right. I think certainly Jesus is present there, but it's not representative of all of God's people. Gotcha. Yeah. It's not this sense of, wow, we wouldn't be family if it weren't for Jesus. We wouldn't (laughs) be friends if it weren't for Jesus. Right. And there's not as much sort of even to like work out about what it means for us to live in community together. I love it when that happens, though. Yeah. (laughs) I really do. It's easy. Yeah. I I don't think church is easy. No. No. No, I mean, I mean, like that, that, that phenomenon where it's like you're looking around, you're like, we would not be. Yes. One without Christ. Yeah. And it's and it's and it's beautiful when when you look around and you kind of see that that's possible mm-hmm. through this c- connection. Yeah, it's beautiful and it's difficult. Yeah, because a church should, at its I- ideal, then be sort of a representation, you know, in a local space mm-hmm. of what God is doing globally and historically, as best as it can in any given local space, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we live in Colorado, which is not the most diverse of places in the world. No, right. No, it's not (laughs) very much at all. Um, So there's, you know, some limits to what the expression of a local church looks like in a Mm -hmm. non-diverse place in terms of maybe ethnic or racial diversity, Mm -hmm. but we still have a significant amount of age diversity and economic diversity Mm -hmm. and educational diversity. I mean, all of those kinds of things. Yes. Mm -hmm. That you say, no, the church is a gathering together of people from all, all over of all different walks of, of life being brought together mm-hmm. in Jesus. And so I think sometimes when we start pushing like, oh, this is church or that's church, I'm like, I don't think so. Eugene Peterson once said, if if there's not room in the gathering for somebody that you would not have chosen to be there, it's not church. <laughs> Hard yeah, hitting. That, that's that is, good. Yeah, yeah if, that's it's, really if good. it's just like, oh, I'm just choosing these people that <laughs> I want to be close to me because I like all of them and, and I find the relationship easy and it's comfortable yeah. yeah, and I don't have to confront anything about the differences, the, the differences yeah. or even my own prejudices that I have inside of. There's nothing that's being called out of me if I'm not being challenged to learn, to mm-hmm. grow, to learn what it means to love somebody who's different than me. That's hard work, Jason. I know. It's <laughs> hard work. It is incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's incredibly <laughs> hard work. Well, that, that's really interesting, though, because um, I, if, you, if you look at how a lot of churches um, form in America, that's definitely not the case, though, right? You definitely get your... Uh, I would wager to say your cultural groups that kind of bond together. And... Uh, I mean, there's good reason for that. You know, comfort breeds that sense of safety and, mm-hmm. and what you're used to kind of breeds that comfort. So, um, or church plants. Yeah. Yeah. A bunch, <laughs> bunch of people going out and making a church, but it's usually a bunch of like-minded like people. Minded yeah. people. Yeah. I mean, there was even a season like in church growth sort of world and documents and books and research and those things about the, that sort of homogeneous principle that, yeah. you know, there's this sense of, people who are like one another sort of find it easy to gather together and those things. And Mm -hmm. some of that again is driven by location. Yeah. You know, if Mm -hmm. you go to plant a church, let's say in uh, rural Wyoming, yeah, like there is going to be a sense that (laughs) the people that are going to be gathered together in Christ's name there are probably going to have, you know, more things in common, more farmers, yeah, there's going to be more <laughs> ranchers, farmers, like more yeah, ranchers, very particular kinds. Of yeah. Things. yeah, but even in those settings, you're going to find some difference between educational status yep. and socioeconomic status, right. and mm-hmm. people who actually farm and those who, you know, there's there's still differences, but mm-hmm. maybe there's not as much as we would find in London or Tokyo or New York City, you know, places sure. where they the the local place in which the church mm-hmm. is living out its existence actually is quite a diverse mm-hmm. yeah. space. So right. not being so quick to to jump based on where it's happening yeah. locationally, yeah. geographically, yeah. there might be a reason behind it. There might be a reason behind it. And yeah. but I think when we make that the growth strategy, 
not great. That's, I think, where we run into some some issues where I think, oh, I'm not sure. I mean, I get it on a practical sort of level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I understand, you know, all the historical and social and cultural sort of things that sort of press us oftentimes in that direction. Yep. But I think there's something beautiful when we, f- when we fight for oneness and unity across all those lines. Right. To say this is how we witness to the kingdom. Agreed. That is this very different. I mean, even when we look at the pictures in Revelation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. So every tribe, every tongue, every nation. It's like that's what we're preparing for. Yep. That's what we're pointing ahead to. Yeah. And so as best we can in our given local context, mm-hmm. it should be part of at least our heart behind what we hope to see happen, our prayer, our efforts to mm-hmm. sort of um, see what it looks like for the gospel to create this new community of people. Yeah. I think, I think it takes a, a, a deal of accountability though, uh, to, to remain in that place. Yeah. Um, it can be easy for a church to become homogenized, mm-hmm. um, and for, for people to, to be consciously aware of the amount of community outreach that you're doing. Um, and, and the people that you're including or excluding the types of sermons that you give. There was a season in my old home church where it was like, all parents and married people sermons and I, and there were a group of you know single people who were just like what's going on here yeah. and and that's just an easy example but you can ex- you can extrapolate that to a lot of other different diverse issues where y- you have to have this amount of accountability to recognize um to keep yourself on track almost mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, yeah, I think, I think it's easy to kind of slip back into that. It's in my so, it's so easy. There, it's an incredible amount of intentionality, I think mm-hmm. is on uh, first and foremost on the leaders in the congregation, but then on the congregation itself as well. It, yeah. It's, it's always a dual sided aspect of, of those things, mm-hmm. but it's very easy, you know, as a like married man mm-hmm. to make my stories and illustrations and those things about, being married or about being a parent mm-hmm. and, but looking out into the congregation is there are people in the congregation who are not married, who are not parents and who are not men. And so therefore I have mm-hmm. to be thinking about what that looks like. Yeah. And so I have a graduate degree. There are other people that don't have graduate degrees. There's also people who have PhDs, yeah. you know, so there's, there's folks all along this sort of line. There's folks mm-hmm. that are uh, living in really nice sort of suburban houses and there are people who are homeless Yeah, mm-hmm. and, have to recognize that this is part of the beauty of what God's doing in our local context at our, at our congregation, yeah. as well as part of the challenge and part of the, like, we need to make sure that we're constantly sort of thinking about those, all right. of the people that are there and being intentional about, uh, you know, uniting in all, all those spheres and addressing all spheres and calling all spheres yeah. into that primary identity as being Christian, mm-hmm. as being the sons and daughters of God yeah. and making that our primary identifier mm-hmm. rather than all those other things. Yeah. I mean, that's the New Testament insistence is that you know, when, when Paul says these at one point says there's no longer Jew or Greek slave or free male or female. Yeah. He's not getting rid of cultural differences. Right. He's not saying, Oh, suddenly you're no longer male and you're no longer female. You're no longer, you know, yeah, yeah. Not saying that. He's <laughs> saying that that's no longer your primary identity. Yeah. 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 Your primary identity is now in Christ. Yep. Oh, and by the way, so is that person and that person and that person and that person. And they're like, wait, hold on a second. <laughs> yeah. The person that's that, not right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, now my primary identity and their primary identity Are the is same. in Jesus. It's the same. Yeah. And now I got to figure out what does it mean for us to love one another? Yeah. As Christ <laughs> loved us. So, so that brings Have up, fun. Yeah. <laughs> that brings up an interesting point, which is like, you know, y- you brought up um, some of the kind of earlier um, church references. Um, how does that look differently now? You know, the the early church and. Um, you know, maybe like why why was it even around to the point where like now in the modern age, how does it look different? Say more about that. I, I want to make sure I fully understand the question. Like unpack that for me a little bit, just so I make sure. Yeah, that yeah, yeah. Like how how did the church play a role historically in in the earlier stages, and how does that kind of look different now? And like, yeah, yeah, and and like and why and why it's necessary. Yeah. Okay. 
yeah, yeah. So there's, you know, there's the obvious kind of like a church. It's like a place mm-hmm. of, you know, religious significance um, or spiritual significance, but it's, but it's there. There's also kind of a purpose. So like kind of historically yeah, like what's the why mission it was there sort yeah. Of, yeah. and why is it around? Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, there's a sense, I think, always for the people of God, if we can go all the way back to, to Abraham, we can go back even further than that, we'll, just, we'll start with Abraham, yeah. that Abraham is called out, right, mm-hmm. and blessed in order to be a blessing. God chooses this one family in order to bless all of the families. So there has always been a sense for the people of God that those who are called together by God are called together for something that is beyond themselves. Mm -hmm. And so in the early church, we saw this, you know, happening, of course, God reconstituting a people around the person of Jesus Mm -hmm. and bringing together literally families from all of the nations of the earth, this crossing of all of these ethnic boundaries and those things that we saw, particularly in the early church and the church then sort of coming together as both a, a, in one sense, a contrast society as a way of saying this is actually how humanity was meant to live. Right. That there was something about, you know, humanity as the city on a hill, mm. as there's something about the way that the church was supposed to go about doing its life yep. that was supposed to be set sort of in contrast as a way of of showing the intention that God had for what it means to be fully human and fully alive, what it means to be in community with one another. Yeah. How, so there's a, there's a witness to the, uh, of the church in its ethic, in the way that it lives and goes about and has its life together. Hmm. And at the same time, there's something about that way of life that's supposed to enrich everything around it and call people into it. Mm. So you have this real challenge in the church of what does it mean to be a community, which means in some way bounded, yeah. right? Every community has boundaries, otherwise it's not a community. So you have boundaries, but it also is porous. It's supposed to continually be going out and coming in and uh, sort of allowing for some sort of an expansion of what it means to come into that community, but also sort of outward focus and outward looking mm. um, at how can we... as uh, the Old Testament prophet said, uh, how do we be in this place for the good of this place? Yeah. yeah. And we, you know, sort I like of that enrich this space, even in exile in Babylon. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. is it that we seek the prosperity of Babylon? So the church sees itself as this group of people living in a foreign place, mm-hmm. you know, even though we might have grown up here, it's not our primary citizenship, it's not our primary identity. Mm-hmm. And there's a, a life that we live together, that we protect together, mm. because that it's a way of showing this is what life was intended to be, what relationships were intended to be, while at the same time is looking out to say, how do we enrich the space around us? How do we yeah. continue to proclaim the gospel, not only in word, but in deed, and are all the things that we do, so that there's actually a sense that this city, this place, this township, this village, wherever it is that we are, yeah. is better because the church is here. Mm. And mm. when the church has sort of held those things together, um, both it's the community holiness sort of aspect of things, mm-hmm. as well as the missional social justice kinds of aspects of things. It's when sure. the church has done its, this one God has done its best, his best work through the church mm. yeah. is holding those things together. I've, um, I've always felt such a personal um like it's always been pretty difficult for me uh, in a judgmental kind of way with, with when it comes in regards to churches that are so internally focused. Um, And I really try and refrain (laughs) from all kinds of judgment (laughs) in my life because, you know, being 31 years old, I've been around long enough to have many, many, many times, been proven wrong about certain judgments that um, I've made and and been humbled by them, but it, it irks me sometimes when I when I when I find uh, when I visit a church or when I experience a church that, that that seems very within its own four walls and is not outwardly focused, does not have um, support, you know, to missions and different things going on in the world. That um, while at the same time trying not to criteria a church check this box, check this box, check this box. Now you're a church Um, because it doesn't work that way. But I don't know. That's just one of the things that just like, where I'm just like, man, you guys are just like coming in to church 
and then going about your lives and like not going out and helping the immediate community. In my opinion, that's what the church is there for. That's why there's so many churches on like so many different corners because it's supposed to affect the immediate area around it and help those people. It's not supposed to be this global force, this one church is not, I, in my opinion, it's not supposed to be a, this global force affecting change on a global level that's just this monstrous thing. I think it's more local than that. And if you focus on those people and you have enough churches in this world doing that, like people are going to be taken care of. And if we kind of like focus in on that mentality, then I, then I feel like that's what the church um, is there for. I don't know. That's just, that's kind of what. Yeah. And I think in, in the ideal, yeah, certainly. I mean, I think that's the, the great aspiration of the church. And the, and then the beautiful thing is, is that it's also so messy <laughs> and I, you know, you look at any of the new Testament right. letters and it's clear, like, you know, there's, there's, there's very few churches in the new Testament that we're like, Oh, I want to be like them. Yeah. Um, Paul's always like, what are you guys doing? Like, what is happening here? <laughs> and the, so I think that's why mm. there's this, you know, the beautiful picture that Paul gives us of, of things like the body or the family, yeah. you know, of, mm. of keeping, recognizing there, there's an organic sort of, you know wildness a little bit to the church and churches like families have seasons and they have moments where um you know something is happening either in the life of the people or in the congregation that causes sort of almost like a uh we need to get healthy here internally in order to be more effective externally Mm -hmm. or other times you know you see churches spend so much time on the sort of the external that they then that, that the life together begins to disintegrate, right. and you know how we're continually sort of wrestling through those issues mm-hmm. is a constant challenge, I think, for any community and any leader within a community. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then at the same time, it's so easy though, is like to sort of look in any church on the outside, yeah, and to sort of like make those checks. So we're looking for certain things, yeah, of, right. of sort of health. I think the challenge, of course, though, is to take that same lens and focus that internally in our own lives because mm. we so often will talk about the church in the what third, are they doing in, in the third instead person of what right. am I doing yeah. yes yeah. it's so easy to talk about the church as an it or a they instead of a we yeah mm-hmm. it's so easy and rather than saying okay we are the church like yeah. i had this guy tell me a long time ago in a sermon during a church i was working at, i was going through a hard season he stood up at a sermon he goes the church is people and you're a people <laughs> Yeah. So what, be the church. What? Yeah. Whatever you want the <laughs> church to be, yeah. Yeah. like live that way. Yeah. Because you are a part of this family. You're a part of this community. Mm-hmm. And it's so easy to kind of get in those other spaces yeah. rather than say, nope, mm-hmm. I'm the church. Yeah. We're the church. So so that's really interesting because I, um, I think to a certain degree now that we've moved into this modern era, um, we have kind of taken our kind of very consumer based uh personalities and 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 applied it to uh various areas of our lives including church or going to church yeah. or attending church where you get this really kind of um you know how people can check box the church it becomes this like whole list of like well how's the worship how's the pastor preaches sermons do they have coffee you know all these different <laughs> things and has good worship yeah, will exactly. show up on christmas <laughs> And if they have coffee, is the coffee good? Yes. Yeah, Do they local? get it? Is it local? <laughs> is it freshly ground coffee? Ours is, uh, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and it becomes Thank this you, Story Coffee. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Story. It's delicious. Um, it becomes this thing where like you, it's almost like you're trying to see if this is the purchase you want to make rather than is this, how can I be a part of this community? And mm-hmm. and it's um, probably a little bit more prevalent in, in our generation mm-hmm. um, where it's just like everything. We consume. Yes, we consume. And uh, Inst- instead of uh, how can I make this better? Right. Yeah. And I, I don't know. I, what's your opinion on that? And, and how do you rectify that as a pastor? Yeah, it's so hard. I mean, it is. It's it's in the water, like especially <laughs> in the U.S. I mean, I think in, or maybe in, you know, in, in other parts of the world, maybe too, in a lot of urban contexts and other things where um, that could be there. But I think it's particularly a, an American Western sort of. Mm-hmm. Uh, phenomenon more so maybe than it would be in the global south and mm-hmm. places where the church is exploding in growth. Yeah. You know, we have 
some unique challenges in the American sort of context around what it means to be church. And well, yeah, you have like churches in South Korea sending in groves yeah. people to the United States, yep. which is like to an, uh, to an American Christian sounds uh, disconcerting because they send them out to save Americans, Yeah, which is like, we don't need saving. We have Christianity <laughs> here. And it's like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's necessary. No, yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah. So uh, yeah, you're thinking about this idea of, of consumerism and the way in which we approach kind of those decisions around yeah. church in the U S and I, yep. there is something that it becomes, um, it's, an, it's understandable, like how that arises both in the American sort of context and culture. Mm-hmm. And even sometimes in churches, like sometimes right. there are things that we do that can help perpetuate that. And, yeah. you know, there's a, and there's a part of it where there, there's some sense even to it at times of, yeah. of saying like, Hey, this is a place where I'm seen. This is a place where I can give give gifts this is a place where hmm. i feel like i fit or i belong and so i i get that sort of aspect you know right. i think that's why i love the diversity of the church yeah you know in the sense of this is a place that theologically fits with me you know knowing there's some diversity around sure. the creed you know in terms of you know we've got the historic orthodox creeds but then yeah. there's things that the churches disagree about you know sort of within those bounds and <laughs> absolutely and, <laughs> and it's and it's 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 beautiful to kind of mm-hmm. you know have those kind of things and to be able to say like oh this is this is my home this is my theological family this is right. my you know these are the people i feel like that there's a space for me here mm-hmm. and so i understand it on that level and i think on the other level it does become a discipleship issue yeah uh in terms of how do we help people think about church mm-hmm. not as a place that you go but as a people that you're a part of yes mm-hmm. and how do we help call people into mm-hmm. that kind of thing and knowing that there are people all all along the lines of discipleship yeah you know for somebody <laughs> who's just found out about jesus if we expect them to have this like robust theology around at the church <laughs> and you know to kind of maybe for them mm-hmm. that sort of decision being based around like okay this is a place where i really connect with the worship right like i have a lot of grace for that you know yeah. kind of mm-hmm. in in that sort of point that's what they need yeah, yeah. in time and i i get it and i said but i think if we say if we start promoting that and making decisions around that and sort of you know saying like hey that's the only thing that there is right and not sort of the calling people to start to think about church in a different way we run into some some real challenges yeah and i think on a on a pastoral level that is you know for me like one of the things that i think is part of my role like Mm -hmm. as part of the community is to say how do we help the community think about what it is yes Mm -hmm. and how do we help call the community call the people to be what god calls us to be to teach what god calls us to be to Mm -hmm. and that is going to start to push against all of that right mm-hmm. uh, because there's something really beautiful that happens when you stay at the table over a long period of time with people yep mm-hmm. and it becomes really easy just to, when things get hard uh-huh. ah time to go to a different place a staff yep. change happens it, ah. happen- uh, it happens yeah it happens all the time they've got better coffee <laughs> but what you find is that those who are willing to stay at the table and walk through all those changes together mm. that's when amazing transformation happens both mm-hmm. in people and in the community. And so I, I think that's the place where you have to start to really help people rethink the idea of church. I was talking to somebody actually the other day um, and the person said, I'm just not that really, I'm just really not that religious about church. When I do go to church, I, I usually come here, but sometimes I go over here, but I'm just not really that religious about it. Huh. Which would be interesting if you take that same thing and apply it to your family yeah or your close friends mm-hmm. i'm just not that really religious about my wife and my kids i kind of okay. show up when i want to yeah. and when it gets hard like when they're throwing a fit i'm I'm just out like i'm just i'll come back a little bit later on when right. it's when it's easy when it's convenient when it's mm, comfortable or yeah. to do that with friendships you know also happens it also happens yeah. but but it I, sounds more ridiculous it does when you sound, say it when you put it in that context you start to yeah. think oh Wait, huh. I'm not thinking about the church as a people, as a body, as right. a family, 
as a community, I'm thinking about the church as a commodity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if we, if we allow, if we allow commodity sort of mindsets to take hold, mm-hmm. we've failed to sort of disciple people into community. Mm-hmm. Right. And relationships and, and intimate relationships. Yeah. yeah which is, which a, are hard and messy and strange, strange. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, re- it requires something of us. Yeah, it requires your attention. And, you know, part of it, too, is you can show up to church every day or every Sunday, but are you actually showing up? Mm-hmm. You know, are you there? Are you invested? Are you actually, you know, taking a part in communing with the Lord and his, his people and the community? Are you serving at the church? Are you being a part of the body? Because mm-hmm. um, you can show up in your family. But are all those things necessary? Yeah. yeah. To be a Christian? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Pastor, what do you think? <laughs> that was a rhetorical question. <laughs> yeah. They're not. <laughs> but but my point being, like, it, sometimes I think people feel like that's what they need to do to be a part of a church, to be, a, you know, a, a participant in a church. And sometimes people are in a season. Um, you know, Nicole, Randy, and I uh, all moved to this state after having just been heavily involved in our church. Randy was an elder. Um, Nicole was in prayer ministry and children's ministry. I was like, leading. like nine other ministries. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And our, and there were like, there were like, (laughs) like 20 people being in charge of like 150 kids. It's insane. And I was in charge of like the AV team, um, or co in charge of that. And, uh, and we had just moved into a new church community and we were all kind of like, we need to take a season of rest here. We need to like be a part of a church. Right. Be a be a, <laughs> a citizen, a per- yeah. just a person a in a pew, basically, who like is basically just kind of taking everything in without feeling the burden or not burden. That's a bad word. But d- but the autom- sometimes I feel like churchgoers feel like they have an automatic responsibility to I'm not a part of this church or I'm not serving God unless I am like doing all I can to help this church. And so they get involved in like two or three different ministries. And it's just like you know, they'll burn themselves out and mm-hmm. then they'll be like, man, this is terrible. And is this what church is like? And, um, you know, I grew up all of my life volunteering in a church, like all I know. Yeah. And it felt really good to yeah. not be doing that, you know, at some point, but yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Well, yeah. Even think about that in family life, right. you know, I, I keep, I keep using an analogy, but I think <laughs> even if, you know, for any listeners that, you know, it, this is not meant to exclude singles because we, we all grew up in a family of some sort, dysfunctional, right. wh- whatever it might have been. But even in that context, like there are times that you're tired yeah. and there's times that you're mm-hmm. sick. And so somebody else in the family says, hey, why don't you go lay down? Why don't you rest for a little while? Yep. Uh, and let me do this for a little, for yeah, a little bit. Take care of each other. Yeah. Yep. Or yep. there's a season where somebody's got a lot going on, a lot of pressure. They're walking through something yep. emotionally or mentally or relationally. Or so, you know, there's mm-hmm. all sorts of things. And the family sort of says, okay, we got you. Yeah. And it's, and it's okay. So even, you know, that paradigm says, mm-hmm. hey, it's all right. Yeah. We, we, we got you. We got mm-hmm. you like, covered. you're here. We're glad you're here. We see you. We love you. We know you. Mm-hmm. And we know that when you are healthy, and thriving and healed, yep. you know, then there'll, there will be a spot, yeah. you know, that you'll mm-hmm. say, you know what, guys, I'm good. I'm in, yeah. you know, <laughs> and here's what I bring. And then somebody else yeah. may, you know, be coming in that, that, in that same spot. And so you've got that sort yep. of unique dynamic that can take place as opposed to thinking about the church as sure. some sort of like corporate machine. Yeah. yeah. Right. Where it's like, no, we need every single person doing this many hours all hands all every single yep. you know and i and i get it from a strategic leadership you know sort of point like making things clear and sort of saying okay this is this is you know w- when this is happening mm-hmm. things go really well around here and being able to you know the many hands make like or you know all of those kind of things <laughs> right that, you know that yeah. that that will say you know kind of in those contexts to, <laughs> yeah. to try to help call people in into service but it's mm-hmm. always an important thing to say but we recognize that there are there are times you just may need to rest Yeah, mm-hmm. right now, and that is okay. Yeah, that's a good message. <laughs> Would the correct phase, phrase be the best? sometimes the best way to serve is to serve yourself and make sure that you're healthy and, and in a good place? Yeah, I mean, I think at least that's where the soul care piece comes in, right? right. Like Jesus, I think, very intentionally said, love your neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Like there's a really, you know... Please love yourself. It's like, a really interesting sort of phrase <laughs> to say that yeah. 
Okay, this idea of a, of God's love transforming me mm-hmm. to the place where I actually love who God made me to be. Mm-hmm. That then out of the overflow of that, I can love someone. Sure. In out of the overflow of God's love for me, and yep. then Him enabling me to to love myself, mm-hmm. and then kind of knowing then what it means to love others, because. I think we get into a lot of challenges when oh yeah where th- that soul care sort of piece is gone because it inevitably begins with a breakdown of our relationship with God. Yeah. Right? <laughs> we're not sort of tending to the most intimate relationship that we're called into. Right. Which then begins to sort of fracture or disintegrate even our own souls, which yeah. then makes the surfing <laughs> so much to give at that point. <laughs> no, burn out for sure. Yeah. yeah. No, like I this black sludge that's in my heart. <laughs> We're talking about you again, Jason. Uh, yeah. 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 Share this with you. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I really resonate with what Eric was saying because uh, when I was in Chicago, I also was serving on the AV team, except not many people wanted to serve on the AV team because I thought that was like the coolest team. I, uh, it's like the theater kids, you know, back in school. You're lucky to get a few people. Yeah, hey. you're lucky to few. But we were strange. We enjoyed it. I don't know. But I love our AV team. <laughs> These guys are amazing. Yeah. Guys oh, and gals. Yeah. For sure. But <laughs> our AV team started at the crack of dawn to let the worship team in. And because we didn't have enough people to support two uh, sermons, you basically started at seven and you ended at one. Yeah. And that was, whoa. That's what our AV tech team does as well. I yeah. Mean, our AV tech and worship folks, you know, they're putting in seven to 10 hours of it's service crazy. every week. And, yeah. you know, when they are serving. And so, you know, in those places, you're like, oh, man, more people would be really great, right. you know, just to help. Mm-hmm. Kind of make it possible to have yeah. two teams that are doing it or for people to do once a month, you know, all of those kind of <laughs> things would be, mm-hmm. would be ideal. Right. Um, and yet, you know, again, it's, you know, that in any congregation, yep. there are people coming in from all sorts of different places. There are people that are, are gathering. They're just thinking about Jesus. Yeah. Yep. Like, ah, I'm not so sure about this. <laughs> you know, and other yeah. people that are coming in just hurt mm-hmm. from the places that, we is, you know, no, every church has got its mess. If it, if it didn't, I'll come and bring yeah. mess with me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, th- that, that kind of, that kind of brings up uh, an interesting point that I just like with people who are um, seeking out different churches and, um, or maybe it's, they're new to church f- for the first time. We've talked a little bit about that dynamic. Um, there are things that are going to turn people off to that church. Um, do do churches need to like roll with the punches here or do they need to like, or do people just need to care less and be less picky about different things that like little, little things that, you know, a church does. Yeah. Because there are, there's like, there's two sides. There's like things that are like pretty petty. Um, in my opinion, <laughs> I'm just speaking openly. I'm not saying like the, quali- you- <laughs> the quality of the coffee. <laughs> yeah. Or I don't like the color of that carpet. I don't like what that uh, pastor's wearing. It's a little too informal. Uh, versus like I've been burned in the past. Are those yeah. Crocs. And uh, yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> that's unforgivable. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Cardinal sin. One Crocs with socks. Yeah. Ooh. That's the, that's the Ooh, gold standard right there. That's so gross. Oh but yeah, gosh. you've got, you've got these little things and then you've got like fundamental things where people are like, this is, this was actually unforgivable. Like the, what happened to me at church, um, was not Christ-like. It was, it w- I wasn't treated with dignity. Um, there's just uh, whatever that reason is. Yeah. Um, they, been severely burned by church in the past um so you have this a bit of this spectrum going on um mm-hmm. and it, it's a it's a major issue when when we talk about church um is is uh there's always there's always people who've been burned by the church um, yeah and and it, it's difficult to delineate the 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 two uh where it's like this was in a, a single entity versus mm-hmm. the broader big capital c church yeah there, yeah. yeah, there's that that unique challenge of saying, okay, in this particular local expression of the church, I experienced deep pain, deep yeah. disappointment, deep hurt, mm-hmm. and and the most natural thing to do then is to take that and assign it to the whole church, mm-hmm. global, historic, mm-hmm. to assign what happened. I'm gonna burn it down. Yeah, yeah, to assign what happened in one in one context, maybe you know, to the whole context, or to assign what happened with one pastor to all pastors, mm-hmm. or with one, you know, community of people to all communities of people. And, um, you know, it can, it, it, one it, priest to another priest. Yeah. It's so, yeah. it's so difficult. And I understand, I, I get it because yeah. that mm-hmm. pain is real. That pain is deep. That pain, right. Mm-hmm. It should not be ignored. It shouldn't be 
in any way dismissed or justified, you know, like mm-hmm. in any way sort of, um, no one should be made to feel less about the pain that they've experienced, right. you mm. know, in the middle of, of those things and sort of Absolutely. like, well, um, uh, uh, that real pain is obviously different than, you know, sort of like, well, I didn't like the carpet or I didn't like the taste <laughs> of the coffee, you know, th- I mean, there's this spectrum of things that can, um, can impact us. But even in those situations where we can look at, typically there's a way more going on yeah. than just the coffee or the carpet. There's a <laughs> lot more going on there. And I find sometimes it's just, it's easier for people to talk about the coffee or the carpet. It's more of a front than yeah. it is to talk about what actually happened and yeah. maybe the feeling of rejection or disappointment or hurt sure. that they felt. And or sometimes, you know, they're, they're wanting to protect other people, you know, mm-hmm. and, or something, you know, it's, it's, there's all of those kind of dynamics that can, uh, that can happen and how we sort of walk through that. I would say um, the things that would encourage people, you know, in the middle of, of those things would be to have honest conversations. Yeah. You know, yep. I think the hard part as a pastor, I mean, we have people coming to the church and we have people leaving the church. Yeah. Right. And a lot of people who are coming, we don't get a chance to meet right away. And so it kind of yeah. takes a while um, to meet people. And that's where it actually has to be a whole congregation welcoming right. <laughs> uh, in the middle of those things. Shout out um, to the welcome team. <laughs> yeah, well, the welcome and, and but even Thanks, beyond, even no beyond the welcome team, you know, the people that are saying hi, the people that are sitting next to yeah. them, and yeah. inviting people. Out to, I mean, that's beautiful when that happens. Mm. Um, but the, I think the hard part is when people leave and you don't you don't know that uh, they've left, you don't know why they've left, and you don't know if there if there could have been a conversation to help, e- even as uh, as a pastor or leader to grow to learn. Right. To apologize, to repent, mm. to make things right if something needed to be made right, yep. to be able to address issues in a church that maybe need to be addressed that the leaders don't know that are happening yet. I mean, eventually those things will come up. Do you find it difficult to not take some of that stuff personally? Early on, I did. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I think it was it's not part your fault. Yeah. Because there's a, there's a sense of, you know, in leadership that you want to take responsibility. Yep. You know, but we as leaders can become overly responsible. Mm. Yeah. You know, and there's a really fine line in that of saying, okay, we can learn and grow. And then there's other things that we have to also have to recognize our limits, Mm. you know, boundaries. Yeah. Yeah. And and some of that is, you know, let's say what can Christ heal versus what can I fix? Yep. And who can we be as a church? Who can we be as a community at this point in our life together as a family Hmm. versus Hmm. what we may be in five years, what we may be in 10 years, what we may be in 20, 30, 40 years. Or if we thought more like the historic church, what could this group of people be in 500 years well beyond us? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like, let's start Yikes. thinking in hundreds, let's start uh, thinking in centuries and millennia. Um. You know, but we can be so, like, we've yeah. got to be... Space coffee. We've got to be everything Stop and we've got to be it all right now. And, yeah. you know, for uh, yeah. uh, for us and at uh, New Life Downtown, you know, we're seven years in. Yeah. And... So there's, there's things that we're learning. There's things that we're growing in. There's things that we're getting better at. There's things that we're not doing that Sunday we <laughs> hope to be doing. Hmm. And this is kind of who we are right now. And if somebody mm-hmm. is mm-hmm. needing something really particular and we're not there, we just, we're not there in our life as a community together. Sure. Then the hope would be like, okay, we want to know that so we can talk with you about that and help you find a place. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, this is why we try so hard to keep great relationships with all the other churches in the city mm-hmm. um, because the, this, you know, not just our local witness to the church, yep. but all of the church's local witness mm-hmm. to the church yeah. and the global witness of the church is so much bigger and so much more beautiful than, yeah. than <laughs> our, you know, sort of like small, you know, sort of, outpost right um of it all of just saying like uh, yeah and this is where we're at but when there's other things there's systemic issues when there's real hurt there's real pain you know we want to be able to hear those stories and hold the sacredness of that and Mm -hmm. to learn from those things and and so i i'm I'm so grateful when uh you know I, i said something um from the pulpit a few weeks ago that um really you know just somebody said, Hey, I don't, I don't think that was the best way to say that. Uh, and wrote me an email 
And I was mm. so grateful. Wow. That, and it, it, it was not worded in, you know, sometimes it's, it's worded, you know, in a way that is not conversational. Lacking yeah. grace. But this Accusatory. Was, th- this, was, this was such a well handled, like, hey, th- this happened. I just want you to know mm-hmm. this is the way I experienced that. This is the way that I heard that. I'm mm-hmm. not sure that you were intending to communicate that, but I think you needed to know. Uh-huh. And that helps me to grow. helps me to think um, through those things. And they came to me directly uh. and talked to me about that as opposed to, you know, wow. kind of... It was a it was a Christ like way to respond, right? Yeah, yeah. You, absolutely. you have some sort of fence. You don't leave it sitting there. Yep. yep. You don't let it grow and fester. You go to the person and you talk with them. Yeah. And sometimes difficult to not take that defensively, though. It it, it is, <laughs> yeah. Because there are, there are other times so you you have to recognize. Okay, is this something that is a preference? Yeah. 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 Uh, because I honor your opinion. Yeah. <laughs> right. But, but yeah. yeah right. Because there are all those things that are going to happen in yeah. the church as well. Right. And, you know, and being able to kind of think through and discern that when you're hearing mm. those things and be able to talk about them. That, you know, hopefully the Lord is helping me with humility in those mm-hmm. conversations. Right. Help me with discernment and to kind of yeah. um, know you know, kind of walk, walk through those things. But mm-hmm. I've been in enough churches now where I, I've, and I said this before, but I've seen what happens when people just hang through really hard stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I was a part of a church that went through a massive crisis, uh-huh. ended up having, you know, six unintentional church plants. And we went from 4,000 people to 400 adults and wow, it was painful wow. and there yeah. was hurt. And, and I understand and why a lot of people left. Yep. I, yeah. I get it. And for a lot of them, they just needed to. Like the, the church, you know, what had happened caused so much hurt and so much pain. Right. Um, the heartbreaking thing is when what happened there caused them to leave the, not just that local church, but the church, you yeah. know, like yeah. walk away from the faith. Those are the heartbreaking things. Right. Yeah. But there were a lot of people who said, you know what? This is our church. This is our family. We're going to stick it out. Yeah. And I saw something beautiful happen for those 400 who felt like they had the grace from God to be able to stay in the midst of, you know, real brokenness. And so I've, I've seen all these different seasons, churches thriving, churches crashing, churches, you know. Um, Kingdom and chaos. Yeah, all these kind of <laughs> things happen. But it, when people are willing to have honest conversations, they're willing to own their stuff. Yep. They're willing to be humble and to be honest. They're willing to listen and to hear mm. uh, or, and, and to speak up, you know, all those things. It's that it's when we, you know, that's what families do. That's what right. the body does, what you know, do. communicates. Yeah. Well, I think the healthy, you know, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about healthy families. Yeah, we're talking about healthy families. We're definitely talking about healthy families at that, at that, that point. This is happy, yeah. healthy Not families. my family dinners. <laughs> should do. Um, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Yeah. And, and there are times yeah, that we just have to say like, okay, like, Mm-hmm. We're sorry to see you go. We yeah. understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's. Uh, I don't know if that's, that's a t- no. That's a no, tough that's one. Good. That's a yeah. tough one. I give you yeah. a tough one. But we're we're about to take a deep dive right now. Oh no! Here we go. Yes. 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 Buckle yes. up. Buckle up. Buckle up, Buttercup. Dive. Here we go. Dive. All right. Dive. Doing a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> dive. You said deep dive. <laughs> I did. I did. I was picturing more of like a like a jumping, like into a pool. Hmm. Like a baptism. <laughs> sure. Baptism. <laughs> baptism. Let's go with a that. A baptism of conversation. Hey, everybody. It's Eric again. And CJ. So uh, we're closing up for this episode, part A of episode C. Mm-hmm. And you can catch the next part in two weeks on our normal release time. Just to let you know and remind you that we are available on Spotify, iTunes Podcasts, Anchor, or wherever you find your podcasts. And you can also join us on our social media accounts, Facebook, Instagram, and also our website, themouthfulpodcast.com. That's the mouth, two L's full, podcast.com. See you then.